Paid for by Johnson for Governor. This is Every Vote Counts, Utah's Race for Governor 2016. Covering the issues that are most important to our state. Hello, everyone. I'm Rand DeWitt being joined by Republican candidate for governor and chairman of the board of Overstock.com, Jonathan Johnson. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me, Rand. Now, uh, you're a Republican candidate for governor. Uh, You're also the chairman of the board of Overstock.com, which we just said. Uh, But your most important job is being a husband and father, correct? No question. That's the case. So tell us about your family. So uh, Courtney and I have been married for nearly 28 years. We were married when we were starving students down at BYU. It's not a very original story. We have five children. They're all boys, ages 12 to 23. Our oldest son just got married, so we finally got the first girl in the family. Congratulations. Thank you. Now, uh, during the last hour on KNRS, uh, they were airing the gun show Utah, hosted by Clark. We all know Clark. Um, And you've been on his show before. I have. Clark runs a great show. He's got a great set of listeners that are uh, avid supporters and defenders of the Second Amendment, uh, just like I am. Then then you know how important the Second Amendment is to the people of Utah. Now, I have some audio from the last debate from Governor Herbert on this issue. Again, the Deseret News editorialized about this last January and saying, we are on a good place when it comes to Second Amendment rights. I've met with Wayne LaPierre a number of times, uh, the executive director of the NRA. He likes Utah. We've been listed as, uh, in the top two or three states of America for being friendly to the Second Amendment. So it's kind of an ain't broke, don't fix it. So, Jonathan, uh, talk about constitutional carry. What's that about? So constitutional carry uh, is a way that would allow uh, Utahns to carry a gun concealed without uh, a concealed carry permit. Today, there are two ways to carry a gun in Utah. You can conceal carry with a permit, uh, or you can open carry without a permit. But you can't conceal carry without a permit. My view is we don't need a piece of paper to exercise our First Amendment rights. We shouldn't need a piece of paper to exercise our Second Amendment rights. Those that open carry sometimes want to be able to put a coat on. Maybe it's cold outside. Maybe they want to go into a restaurant uh, and not have a gun on their hip where there are, you know, families around that might be uh, concerned about it. Sometimes they just don't want to draw attention to themselves. When I think back to the last tragic mass shooting in Utah, it happened at Trolley Square. We had a crazed shooter at the mall uh, shooting people, and the person who took him down was an off-duty police officer, concealed carry. Now, if that officer couldn't have been concealed carry and had to open carry, he likely would have been the first target of that shooter and that crazed shooting would have gone on for even longer. So look, I've committed to the legislators that unlike governor Herbert, who's vetoed concealed or constitutional carry legislation in the past, I'll sign it. So just to be clear, you're not suggesting that there should be background checks for BB guns. No, I know that governor Herbert has, has suggested that uh, that's ridiculous. You're listening to Every Vote Counts, Utah's Race for Governor 2016. Rand DeWitt being joined by Republican candidate for governor and chairman of the board of Overstock.com, Jonathan Johnson. You can learn more about Jonathan at HireJJ.com. That's HireJJ.com. And again, Jonathan's very active on social media, on Twitter, at JJohnsonNow. That's the letter J, Johnson, N-O-W. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash JJohnsonNow. Uh, So, Jonathan, let's say Utah has secured its Second Amendment rights. My next question is going to be, will there be any place left in Utah to hunt that's not under the auspice of the federal government? Well, we do have some private land, but uh, 
Well, Utah's got about two-thirds of its uh, land, 31 million-plus acres that's owned and managed and, frankly, restricted by the BLM and the U.S. Forest Service. So that's a whole other issue that uh, I'd love to chat about. So is this just another example of government overreach? Boy, it is. You know, the federal government, uh, the federal government, President Reagan said the federal government operates under the arrogant assumption that states can't manage their own affairs. Nowhere is that more true than in the West, uh, where many of the Western states have large swaths of uh, property that's owned and restricted by the federal government. Uh, It's high time that in Utah we solve this problem, that we get the federal lands, specifically the Bureau of Land Management land, and the U.S. Forest Service land transferred from the federal government to the state of Utah. Now, when you're out meeting with people around Utah, how do they feel about this issue? Boy, there's a lot of Utahns who uh, this is their number one issue. When I'm in rural Utah, uh, they say, Jonathan, the three things we care about the most are access to public lands, economic development, and education. Well, the fact that they put education third shows you how important those first two are. And in rural Utah, access to public lands and economic development are the same coin, just different sides. The way that the U.S. Forest Service and the Bureau of Land Management have restricted access over the decades has stopped economic development. Garfield County, down where Panguitch is, last year declared an economic state of emergency because all the jobs that used to be down there, whether they were in mills in the forest or ranchers or, or people mining the land have been shut down by federal government overreach so that now the schools are closing in Garfield County. Uh, there are no jobs to be had. When we have an economic state of emergency. It's time for all of Utah to stand up and fight for rural Utah. Now, I grew up as one of eight boys, and whenever any one of the Johnson boys was in a fight, All eight of us were in that fight. Uh, We can't pretend that how rural Utah is hindered uh, by the federal government overreach on public lands doesn't affect all of Utah. The boys on the Wasatch Front need to get in that fight with the boys in rural Utah. Now, according to an article in U.S. News and World Report, the federal government owns 66% of the land here in Utah, um, and that's more than any other state aside from Alaska and Nevada. Uh, And most of this uh, is controlled by the Bureau of Land Management. Is this a problem? And if so, what would a Johnson administration do to fix it? It is a problem. Utah and many of the states in the West are treated like second-class citizens. If you look at a map of public lands of the United States, and if, you know, public lands are shaded red, there is a clear change west of the Rockies and east of the Rockies. Uh, It's... We can't be treated like a second-class state. Uh, And so, you know, what will I do? I'll act quickly and I'll act decisively. You know, part of that will include uh, educating Utahns as to why this is an important issue. Part of it will be continuing to work with members of Utah's congressional delegation to get this problem solved. But it may be much more than that. It it may include... Filing a lawsuit against the federal government. In fact, I think it's going to have to include that because we can't sit back and passively wait for something to happen 
that hasn't happened while we've done that. All right. Now, on June 5th, the Washington Post stated, and I quote, President Obama is weighing whether and how he can leave his own permanent imprint on history by designating about two million acres of land known as the Bears Ears as a national monument. Uh, One of the solutions other states have used to reclaim their land from the federal government is to bring a lawsuit. Now, what would a lawsuit like this look like? And, I mean, it's expensive, right? Well, it it is expensive when you look at the absolute dollars. When you look at it as a percentage of the budget, it's, it's not that much. But when you look at it asking the question, what price freedom, it's not expensive at all. It's not expensive at all. Uh, The legislature has uh, looked at this. They say it's probably $14 million. They've allocated funds for that. Frankly, I think there's a lot of other Western states that will join in the suit, uh, Republican red states that will join in the suit. They're frankly counties in blue states uh, that are affected by this issue that I think would join in the suit. So uh, it will cost some money, but boy, it'll be worth it. And it helps us solve problems. Uh, Under state management of the federal lands, we're going to be able to make those lands more productive. Uh, We're going to be able to make them healthier. We're going to have greater access for Utahns. And when they're more productive, we can better fund education We can better fund infrastructure like roads and water. Uh, We can be treated like a first-class state that Utah should be and is. We've got some audio right now from the governor's thoughts on bringing a lawsuit. It would be, in fact, risky because as soon as we file that lawsuit, all the good work we've done for the past three years with our congressional delegation will be thrown out the window. We will have a national monument by next Friday if we file that litigation today. We've got to let this play out. There's got to be a common sense approach here to make sure we have the optimal opportunity, in fact, to to get the public lands back in our control. What are your thoughts on Governor Herbert's position? Well, that's something that he said in our single debate. uh, And his common sense approach uh, comes out of his uh, seven years of his spineless approach. He, He was asked after that debate, do you have any guarantee that if we don't bring a lawsuit, President Obama won't make the Bears Ears a national monument. And he had to honestly answer, no, I do not. The reason we're going to have a national monument by the end of the year is because Governor Herbert didn't bring a lawsuit years ago. When he first became governor, in his inaugural State of the State, he stood in the well of the House and said, Utah is not a colony. I will not stand idly by as the federal government manages our lands. Seven years later, all he's done is stand idly by. And because of that, we're going to have a national monument down at Bears Ears, in my opinion, by the end of the Obama administration. I can't bring a suit today because I'm not the governor. Come January when I am the governor, we're going to have a different president in office. And there are always a lot of reasons not to do hard things. But if the reason to do the hard thing is because it's right, then we should be doing it. And I will do it quickly when I'm made governor. Why isn't Governor Herbert doing more about this? Why It seems like there's a disconnect between the White House and what Governor Herbert is doing. It doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, it's only opinion on my behalf, but I think he's concerned about being popular. And bringing this lawsuit, while it's the right thing to do, won't be popular with some portions of the community. The Sierra Club and outside interests will come in and and say, oh, Jonathan wants to 
strip mine Bryce Canyon or put an oil derrick under the delicate arch. Well, nothing could be further from the truth. The Southern Utah Wilderness Alliance will say those same things. Uh, people will be afraid that we're going to privatize all the land and we'll turn into Texas with big 100,000-acre uh, ranches that no one could access. None of that's true. The governor is more concerned with his approval rating than doing what's right by Utah. What's right by Utah is having that land transferred to the state. And Jonathan, what will be the result when the land is transferred back to the state of Utah from the federal government? That's a great question. And there are three things, I think, that Utahns can look forward to. First, our access to the land will be much improved. I talked to so many hunters and fishermen and recreationists who are concerned that when the land is owned and managed by the state, that they won't have access. It'll improve. Today, the way that the federal government manages the land, uh, we have less and less access every year. So access will improve. Second, the health of the land will be better. The average western forest is healthy when it has 40 trees per acre. Today in the west, under federally managed forests, there's hundreds, sometimes as many as 400 trees per acre. Think what that does. It sucks up the aquifer. There's all this undergrowth. Uh, that kills the old trees. Anyone who's been in many of the forests in Utah see that there's beetle bug infestation. Uh, Healthy trees are now just tinder and waiting for a lightning strike. When there are fires on federal land, they burn long and hot, kill the wildlife, ruin the watershed. The federal government treats our land like a museum. Look, but don't touch. We should be treating it like a garden. Pull the weeds, prune the trees, the flowers will grow better, the trees will be more productive, land will be healthier. So better access, healthier land, and then the third is it'll be more productive. There have been studies that have shown that when the federal government spends a dollar managing federal lands, it grosses 73 cents. In other words, it loses money. Where when states spend a dollar on state-managed land, they gross $14.51. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to have that return on every acre that's transferred to us, uh, but we can make that land productive. And with that comes the ability to act like a sovereign state and fund our education, uh, build roads, build water infrastructure, better access, better health, better productivity. This is something that needs to happen in Utah. You're listening to Every Vote Counts, Utah's race for governor 2016. Randy Witt being joined by Jonathan Johnson, who is the Republican candidate for governor and also chairman of the board of Overstock.com. You can learn more about his positions and him as a person by going to HireJJ.com. That's HireJJ.com. On Twitter, at JJohnsonNow. That's the letter J, Johnson, now. And on Facebook, Facebook.com slash JJohnsonNow. And uh, Jonathan, right now we're going to pivot over to employment and jobs. Now, although the state of Utah has low unemployment, uh, these benefits have not been seen by the rural communities here in Utah. Boy, we have uh, communities in Utah that have 10% uh, unemployment, kind of triple what it is on the Wasatch Front. And part of that is because the federal government has become so restrictive. They've got a war on coal. Where in eastern Utah, we've got the cleanest coal in the world, and those jobs have gone away. We need to access the public lands. We've got uh, ranchers that can't access BLM land. 
we've got loggers that can't access U.S. Forest Service land, not to clear-cut the forest, but to thin it, to keep it healthy. When we have the land transferred to Utah, we can help solve some of the unemployment that's in rural Utah. Now, Governor Herbert has the same information that you have. Why do you think he has a different position? Well, look, I think bringing this lawsuit will be very unpopular uh, with some segments of society. Many outside of Utah, like the Sierra Club, will come in and say, Jonathan, you're you're going to want to spoil the land. You're going to want to strip mine Bryce Canyon or put an oil derrick under the delicate arch. Boy, nothing could be further from the truth. But Governor Herbert likes being a popular governor. I like to think that I'm going to do the right thing, uh, even when it's unpopular with some segments of society. And I have a history of fighting hard fights, even when they're not popular. Overstock's a publicly traded company. Early on in our history, we saw that we were the subject of an illegal practice by some hedge funds and big banks back in Washington called naked short selling. I won't explain what naked short selling is. It's not as sexy as something with the word naked in it should be. <laughs> but but it, was a, it was a practice that was being used against Overstock and other small publicly traded companies like Netflix and Martha Stewart and prepaid legal. Well, we decided we were going to fix this problem. And first I went to these other companies and I said, help us join Join the fight and help us fight this problem. And their response is, we don't want to bite the hand that feeds us. Wall Street being the hand that fed them. Well, some would say, Utah, you shouldn't bite the hand that feeds you, the federal government. To which I say, but when we're being wronged, we got to fight that fight. Well, at Overstock, we took a three-pronged approach to that fight. We had a public relations campaign to explain this illegal practice of naked short-selling. And the financial press lambasted us, said we were crazy. For years they said that. We went back to Washington and New York. We had a regulatory and uh, legislative tact on it. And for years, three years, they said this isn't happening, no problems. When the 2008 financial crisis happened and the naked short sellers turned on their own, like Bear Stearns and Lehman Brothers, the very things that I'd been advocating to get fixed, is what Congress and the SEC put in place. The other thing Overstock did is we brought a lawsuit. We started suing these hedge funds and the banks. And over time, one by one, they settled. To where this year in January, Merrill Lynch paid Overstock $20 million. The last of these suits settled and we received $20 million. I'm okay fighting an unpopular fight if it's the right thing to do. Fighting the fight to have the public land transferred to Utah to manage and to own is the right thing to do. All right, Jonathan, in 2016 at the State of the State Address, Governor Herbert referred to and actually frequently calls rural Utah, Utah's backyard. Your thoughts? Well, rural Utah is not just a place for people that live on the Wasatch Front to play. It's a place where people work and live. And I'm disappointed every time I hear Governor Herbert refer to rural Utah as Utah's backyard, because I think it shows he doesn't understand the potential and the importance of rural Utah. As I've traveled the state for the last 18 months on my listening tour, I've spent a lot of time in rural Utah, uh, and I know the issues that are important to them. And I'll tell you, I don't want to be just Salt Lake's governor. I don't want to be just the technology industry's governor. In fact, I don't want to just be 
Republicans governor. I'm a rock rib Republican who lives in Salt Lake and runs a tech company. I want to be Utah's governor, all of Utah's governor. And I don't have the mentality that rural Utah is a place to play. It's a place where people live and work and where we should be working to create more jobs and make it so that families that grow up there aren't exporting their kids. Rural Utah's biggest export today is kids. Kids that want to stay and live near their families and raise their kids near their grandparents, we only do that if we can get the land that's managed and owned by the federal government transferred to Utah so that we can own and manage it responsibly. Now, you do. You spend a lot of time out visiting the folks in rural Utah. How do they react to you? Boy, I I, I tell you, they're eager to have someone who wants to be in state government pay attention to them. Because I've held town hall meetings in Hurricane and Helper and Hooper and Hiram, literally and figuratively four H towns, <laughs> starting starting with H and and you know rural towns. Uh, I learned their issues and what they say is, Jonathan, we love that you're here campaigning. Don't forget us. We've been forgotten by the state, and I promise. And I tell them, I say, I'll be back. And if I'm not back frequently enough, I deputize anybody in this room to come up to Salt Lake, grab me by my tie, and drag me back to your town. Because I want to represent you just like I want to represent Salt Lake and every place else in Utah. This is Every Vote Counts, Utah's race for governor 2016. It's Randy Witt being joined by Republican candidate for governor and chairman of the board of Overstock.com, Jonathan Johnson. Uh, you can find out more about Jonathan at HireJJ.com. That's HireJJ.com. Also very active on Twitter, uh, JJohnsonNow. That's at J, the letter J, Johnson Now. Uh, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash JJohnsonNow. So, Jonathan, uh, Utah's population is uh, projected to double in the next two decades. How is that going to affect Utah? Well, it's going to present some leadership challenges, and that's one of the reasons that I'm running for governor. As I heard the governor speak over the years, uh, he usually stands up in front and presents a figurative report card of, of how the state is doing. But infrequently, if ever, does he say, here's my vision for the future. Uh, As our population doubles, there are going to be challenges. There's no prediction that our snowpack is going to double, which means we've got water uh, issues that we're going to need to address. And that includes both conservation and capture. We need to do a better job conserving water, but we should do it on a market-driven way, not a draconian way mandated by government. In California, they say, You can only water your lawns on odd days or even days, depending on where you live. That's pretty harsh, draconian government regulation. We can do better. Today in Utah, most of our water is subsidized either by property tax or by sales tax. Well, property tax, you might say that makes sense because if you own property, you know, you're using water. But some of our biggest water users in the state don't pay property tax. They're public universities, they're municipalities, they're the state, they're churches. They're big water users that don't pay any tax. Sales tax has no connection at all to water usage. And if you go back and think about your economics 101 class and can avoid breaking into hives, you'll remember 
that anytime you subsidize something and you pay less for it than you should, you buy more of it and you waste it. If we just have water cost, what water should cost, and don't subsidize it, that will be market-driven conservation. So that's how we work on conserving water. Capturing water. We're going to need to capture water better, and whether that's building reservoirs in the Bear River Basin or thinking about the Lake Powell Pipeline to bring uh, water from Lake Powell to Washington County, those are going to be expensive projects. And we need to think, how are we going to pay for them? Part of what I think we need to look at is what we're doing with our water from the Colorado River. Today, we send more water downriver to Arizona, Nevada, and California than we're contractually obligated to do. And we send it downriver for free. Nevada sends more river downwater from Lake Mead than it's contractually obligated to do, but it sells it. If we sold that water, we could finance at least in part these water infrastructure projects. So we need to be thinking creatively, planning ahead for what comes with growth. Water's an issue. And now, what about the air quality? Because if the uh, population of Utah is going to double in the next two decades, what's that going to do to the air quality and what can be done to help? Well, I was the founding chair of the Salt Lake Chamber's Clean Air Task Force. So I've been thinking about air issues for about seven years. The Wasatch Front is a basin, and we're always going to have an inversion. I can't fix the inversion. But what we can focus on is what gunk, what pollution do we pump up into the inversion? Today, about 50% of the pollution comes from tailpipes. 40% comes from what the expert call area sources, homes and small businesses. And only about 10% comes from big smokestacks, the refineries, Kennecott, big industry. We need to do a better job on the 40 and the 50%. On tailpipes, we should be giving uh, drivers the option to buy cleaner gasoline. Just like decades ago, we went from using leaded to unleaded gasoline, which cost a little bit more, but we did it because it was clean. Today, the unleaded gasoline we use is something called Tier 2 fuel. In California, they use Tier 3 fuel, 65 to 90% cleaner, runs fine in our cars. We should make that an option in Utah. Not necessarily require that we use it, but make it an option so that those of us who care about it can put that gas, which is about six to nine cents more a gallon. Sure, it's more expensive, but there are a lot of people that would like that option to make the air cleaner. On area sources, I was so pleased that the legislature did something this year that the Salt Lake Chamber has been pushing for for years. And that's we've now said going forward, we're only going to sell low emission water heaters. We didn't require everyone to replace their water heater today. But over time now, when new homes are built and water heaters are replaced, there'll be low emission water heaters. If every home on the Wasatch Front had a low emission water heater, we'd have had 20% less pollution last winter. 10 less fewer red air days. These are market-driven solutions that can solve the problem. So, Jonathan, as we wrap up the show, uh, any closing thoughts? Well, I ask Utahns to give me a good long look. I've always believed that the quality of leaders that we hire or elect determines the quality of government that we get. If the listeners go to my website, HireJJ.com, they'll see my positions. They'll see a comparison page that shows how I'm 
different from the governor. They'll see videos that introduce me and my family. I know that Governor Herbert likes to say, why risk it? I say to Utah, don't settle. We can do better. Voters, you can register and check to make sure you're registered by going to vote.utah.gov. That's vote.utah.gov. Jonathan Johnson, Republican candidate for governor and also chairman of the board of Overstock.com. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you, Rand. It's been great to be on the show. That's Every Vote Counts for now. Utah's race for governor 2016. Again, go to vote.utah.com. Paid for by Johnson for Governor.